Welcome to UX Soup, where we go beyond the buzzwords and talk about the latest user research, technology innovation, and all things impacting user experience of personal devices and services, whether it be at home or on the go. As always, UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm, providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Lisa Cooper, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Diana Fangalilio. Hello. And Chris Schreiner. Hello. How are you both feeling this morning? Just great. <laughs> ready to go. Okay. Very well, thank you. What about you? Very good. I'm ready to get stuck into today's topic. Uh, today, we're going to talk about research that was presented at CHI last May. So for those of you that don't know... CHI is an annual international conference on human-computer interaction, and the conference brings together researchers and practitioners from all over the globe with one mission in mind, which is to make the world a better place through interactive digital technologies. And for anyone who may be interested, the conference is taking place again in March. Back to our topic. The research we're discussing today was conducted in Australia in a collaboration between Griffith University, University of Melbourne, National Aging Institute and Deakin University. And their goal was to explore the idea of virtual reality as a way for seniors to socialize. So first, what do we think about this topic? My first thought is always as I get older and have more difficulty <laughs> with motion sickness <laughs> is how difficult it is for older people to use virtual reality. Mm -hmm. for any length of time because of the motion sickness element of it. That's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Diana? I think for me, it, it might bring a benefit. Let's see when we discuss the results of the paper and so on. But for me, it's just that it's so simple right now to get your phone and, and just to have a conversation on a video conversation with FaceTime or WhatsApp that I really need to see the added value. So we shall see. Maybe it has tons of benefits. What's really compelling to me is how they conducted this study. So they used a method called Participatory Action Research Approach, or PAR, to co-design a social VR platform that they later evaluated in this paper. So in the paper, the authors describe an evaluation of their social VR prototype specifically geared towards older users called School Days, where they took 16 older participants aged 70 to 81, gathered together remotely over five-month period to reminisce in a virtual school about their school experiences. And the participants, they embodied two avatars that they also co-designed. One looked like them and one was a cartoon version that they could make look however they wanted to. And they incorporated specific expressions that were also requested by the participants. Participants then, they're able to bring in photos and books that had been digitized, turned into 3D virtual objects that they could share with the others to facilitate conversation. And so in essence, they sat together in a virtual school, sharing memories of school, and the researchers evaluated their experiences through observations, interviews, and questionnaires. Now, this evaluation was preceded by two other cycles of research with the same participants over the course of three years. Three years. Three years. Wow. 
So in the first cycle, the participants took part in a series of workshops where researchers familiarized them with the concept of virtual reality and the use of avatars, which then resulted in a workshop where the participants trialed a social VR prototype. In the second cycle, a subset of those participants then continued to co-design the social VR application, uh, which was built on initial feedback from part one of the study. So already these participants, aged between 70 and 81, just so I mentioned before, had been heavily involved in the co-creation of the immersive experience before the evaluation of the prototype even took place in stage three. And two of the participants also co-authored the paper. Wow. So for me, if we're going to talk about trying to roll something like this out to more seniors, this participatory design getting them invested in the process of it. I think that's certainly going to get them more invested in actually using it at some point because this part about adoption and actually picking it up and taking the effort to create an avatar or two avatars and create a setting or two settings, you know, the, having them involved in that design process, I would think would make them more invested in actually using it at some point. So it's how to, if this is ever going to roll out, how to get seniors invested in that process. I think it's something that we deal with a lot with older participants or older users of these brand new technologies that they're not familiar with at all. How can they get their voices heard if they're not familiar with it? So having them involved from the very beginning is a way to earn their trust, is a way to help them get familiar with the technology and so on, so that when this continues to develop and they continue further iterations of the design, as they go along, it will be much more easy for uh, people in the future, seniors in the future, to pick this up and, and run with it. And there's so many learnings they had from this um, that they then fed into the next process. I was thinking that I think they did really well. I cannot imagine my dad being convinced. I mean, my dad just turned, well, he's just turning 70 in a couple of, well, next month. I cannot imagine him being convinced to participate in a study to design VR. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm probably, he, his first reaction would be, you know, opposing to that. Like, why do I need that? So I think it's good that they got a team engaged. And even though, even a couple of them co-writing the, the paper. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, because it's, it's just something that's so unfamiliar to many. Mm -hmm. And of course, people, I think, of that age, they prefer things that they're used to. So they prefer face-to-face -face interaction. And actually, often they would compare it to other forms of communication, such as WhatsApp or video communication <laughs> of other kinds and what does this bring to the table? And of course, what the researchers are trying to do is bring presence to the table. They're trying to increase presence. Does this help them with that? Does this combat loneliness and social isolation? What did mm -hmm. they find in that? They found that, they, like I said, they still preferred, um, they preferred video communication. But the, the people that did take part did actually find many benefits from it as well. It did help them with certain things. I mean, they enjoyed the avatars, for example, and being able to, to have a choice of whether you're an avatar that is cartoonish 
or an avatar that is a representation of yourself, they found that this helped them in social situations, like it can help with certain social situations. So if you're speaking to your grandchild, you'd want an avatar that represented you. If, if you're in a school situation, I think one of them actually had an avatar that was a younger version of themselves. It was based on their childhood picture. So in some respects, it did increase that, but there were issues with expressions. And that's something we found with virtual reality. I mean, they, they tracked their eyes and they tracked their mouths, but it was distracting because they, ha they had used equipment that they had to use a control in order to control, control the emotions. And sometimes they would hit the control wrong, so it, they gave a sad emotion <laughs> or a mad emotion <laughs> when it was, <laughs> it was gave the wrong emotion. Well, we're getting better with that. Like if you look at emojis on Apple where you can have an avatar and just talk and the avatar moves with you and does facial expressions and the camera looks at your face and mimics it in the avatar, that's gotten a lot better. And over the next couple of years, especially as, uh-oh, I'm going to say it again, as, as certain companies work on the metaverse, there were this kind of avatar representation and communication of those kinds of emotions are going to be more and more important. Mm. I, I think it's going to, that's going to greatly improve. Yeah, it has to be something that's very automated, doesn't it? It shouldn't be something you have to control or think about. Yeah, absolutely. Just thinking, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling joy. I'm going to smile with my avatar. I think it's too complicated and becomes, you know, that it puts some burden on the communication. So, yeah, I think yeah. If, it, if that part can get better automatically, as you said, it would be, would be great. But then that also brings into question, do you want to, to show expression? I imagine there are going to be people that don't want to show any expression. I mean, there's so many issues with avatars anyway. I recall someone in the study had represented himself as a female and he was male. Now, his thinking was, if I'm in a group of other women, they will accept me more as a female. But then what do those women think <laughs> that they have yeah. a, a man representing themselves as a female? I think that is going to depend on culture a lot as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, as well as all the studies and, and everything, I happened to be watching a Japanese uh, movie yesterday at the cinema. And it made me think of the time when I was visiting Japan as well and how different they are, for example, companying, compared to Mediterranean culture when they are expressing themselves or, you know. So, so yeah, mm. I think it's gonna, there's going to be a high degree of dependency on culture when... I like to express myself, I, you know, be expressive or I wouldn't like my avatar to be so expressive. So, yeah. And on the situation as well, I guess, whether you are in a more formal situation or whether you are kind of like surrounded by people that you are close with, where you can be more yourself. So, And younger generations are now much more comfortable with gender fluidity. And, and mm. But if you get into some of the older generation where that wasn't as accepted. Yeah. You could have a lot of people that, you know, maybe this person actually identified as female, mm -hmm. but was just never able to do that and now found an outlet to do that. Yeah. So it's a very complicated, complex issue. Yeah. One of the things that they did find also was that people who were traditionally more shy or introverted, you know, as older adults, 
they were communicating more comfortably when they were embodying an avatar. And the reason for that was there's kind of that little bit of a separation. You know, they have they don't have to worry about what, how they're being judged or anything. They can have that avatar representing them. It gives them a little distance from the situation. That's something you need when you're trying to connect people who are socially isolated, which the older population tend to be. You need for them if they're not around people very much, to feel a bit more comfortable entering a setting where they perhaps don't know anyone or are shy, you know, in that situation to be able to be themselves. People were more comfortable also talking about very painful topics, traumatizing topics, because they could hide behind that avatar. Yeah. So it's interesting. Did they achieve more presence or not? It was a mixed bag, I think. Well, it, it comes down to what's the what's the end goal? What's the mm. user need? You know, the user need isn't necessarily always presence. Yes, I think that's how they in, started with this research was to de- determine that, and it, the results were just very right. The main end need in this is some kind of connection and communication for people that are more so- socially isolated. isolated. Yeah, and so whatever provides that, and maybe that's less presence, so that they can be more vulnerable Mm. in talking with others or getting into a social situation that might not be as comfortable. And of course, the different contexts that they used, the different contexts is they're very different for people who are older. And previous research, they'd found that older people tended to talk about certain things, you know, it would be reminiscing about school or I, I don't recall what the other ones were. There were maybe three or four common things that they tended to talk about. So Getting all of that feedback, all that rich detail over three years, even prior to evaluating this, I think really does this community a service and there are far reaching implications from it. I mean, just looking at what they found in terms of trauma, that people were able to talk about trauma more easily will benefit other groups of people. Um, The idea of having the ability to change your avatar, be yourself in certain situations or be a different version of yourself in others. And they co-created those avatars too and how they would look and behave and which devices they used. They were using a different device that just wasn't mapping their motions particularly well. And so they switched it. Um, But there were still issues with um, hand dexterity and things like that that they had to look at, which of course makes it easier for everyone. (laughs) I I like the work that they did. And one of the things I'd like to see is kind of the next step. Because mm. like I said in the beginning, issues with motion sickness in, in VR, I would like to see this research done in augmented reality. I'd like to see this research done where if a socially isolated senior could be in their living room and avatars are then seated around mm. them. Oh, that would be <laughs> but, amazing. So, you know, to, to remove that, the motion sickness element of, of being in virtual reality or having mm. to wear, you know, a, a thick headset if we can get you know, AR smart glasses that are a smaller form factor so that they could... Or holography. Or the, or holography. But you don't need I was anything. thinking of holography as well, yeah. But I'd be curious to see how that influences things like how comfortable uh, they are in sharing or being more open and vulnerable if they're not in a virtual setting, if they're in their own living room Mm, yeah one thing they did do though with this particular evaluation they made sure that they were seated 
they weren't moving because they were very aware yeah. of, of that. So they made sure that all the participants were seated. There was no moving that they had to do. But yeah, I think it would be probably a better, more rich experience if it was holography or something that didn't require any of that. So they didn't have to worry about any of that. Part of this was looking at avatars as a means of communication. So in that particular example, would you have an augmented version of yourself? Would you overlay certain things onto yourself that others would see? Would it be a mixed? You would just be projecting your avatar into the other people's. Into the other people's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's a really good good idea. I think, nevertheless, it's, it's really good that they try to, I mean, to do this study with intention of exploring ways of making people or older people to feel less isolated. You know, and, and the fact that they did all the discoveries in between, like, you know, the communication is easier for traumatized people, uh, well, with people for traumas and so on. So I think if in the end the solution is, is shaped differently, but still it's, it's kind of like putting, kind of like grounding the, the knowledge for other research to be conducted and other solutions to be put in place. Yeah, and we need to see more of this since we are seeing more done on aging in place and more health devices or healthcare uh, devices, services that allow people to age in place in their own home rather than going to an assisted living facility. Yeah. Um, this becomes even more important. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not just try and force VR onto them. It was more about exploring VR as an <laughs> option. So they were really interested in the results and were talking about the potential perhaps to do an, um, evaluations of video communication versus that. What's missing? Where are the gaps? Um, and perhaps to extend that out to other technologies as well. And of course, we'll link to that article in the show notes. So now we're on to condensed soup. Condensed soup. Whoop. One whoop. whoop today. One whoop today. It's a one whoop day today. <laughs> What would your avatar look like? Who wants to go first? I want to go first. I had two ideas for my avatar. One idea, I want my, my avatar to be blonde for some reason. I will never be bold enough to become blonde. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think this would be my opportunity, even if it's in a virtual world. And before you mention this guy that wanted to, that present himself as a, as a woman, uh, when he was to be surrounded by other women. I'm curious, I mean, I am not um, gender fluid or anything, but I'm curious to see if, if the reactions to your words would be different uh, mm. if you were a man, because sometimes it feels that way. I mean, sometimes it feels that the gender is the difference between being assertive or being a witch, you know? So, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> so I think I would be curious to see where, you know, how the conversation goes and and also the openness of others as well, yeah. because I mean, as as he was mentioning, as as this guy was mentioning, sometimes it feels that women are going to be more open to talk to women, just to know what they talk about when, <laughs> when <laughs> women is not present. <laughs> so yeah, that's that would be my my two choices. What about you guys? I apparently have this appearance that works well as a emoji as an avatar. It's easy for me in so many platforms to make something that looks very much like me. 
And I, I actually kind of like, it's kind of the idealized me, you know, the beard I, is the right length. And the. Are you <laughs> saying you look like a cartoon character? I do, I do look like a cartoon character. <laughs> so I, I know Now is sounds, when everybody's going to Google yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to find I, a picture of you online. <laughs> I know it sounds boring, but I, I really like the avatar that I make that looks kind of the realistic version of me. My second one, I would want to just be able to to change on a daily basis. If I'm ticked off, you know, I want to be a dragon or something. Or, you know, if I, you know, to have it just fit my mood for that particular moment. <laughs> and just be something completely non-human. Interesting. Maybe I'll just be like a side table or something. Getting a peek <laughs> into your psyche here. <laughs> we have gone from a dragon to a side table. <laughs> That's quite a right, wide range of moods it's, there. It's, it's form fluid. <laughs> form fluid. <laughs> Let's see. I think for me, it would be making changes that I wouldn't, I'd be too, well, either that you can't make in real life or that would just be fun to make. So I'd be taller. That would be great. Um, <laughs> I'd change my hair color all the time. Purple, green, pink, maybe a rainbow. Um, I'd have tons of piercings, try all that, tons of tattoos, you know, really cool things I could wear as a tall Amazonian, uh, Amazon um, <laughs> avatar. Uh, I could wear some really cool clothes. I, d I am actually intrigued by this idea of being the opposite uh, gender to be a male. That would be interesting. But I think that would be in certain contexts. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what that would be like in a work context. Would that change anything? Mm -hmm. So that would be my two. I kind of stole Diana's there. Well, just to add, we need to have these things ready for when we get older. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so please, if you are listening and you are involved in this kind of work, just hurry up. <laughs> yes, hurry up. I want to take advantage of these uh, new technologies. If you'd like to send us questions uh, you have, you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes can be viewed on our podcast website at ux-soup.com. And you can find links to this research there as well as connect with us on LinkedIn. A reminder that UXSoup is sponsored as always by Strategy Analytics. Check out our latest user-focused insights by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.